warning. This show may be highly arousing and distracting. Listener discretion advised. Get ready to get titillated while being educated. Join the queen of fetish as I lead you into the world of sexuality while exploring our limits of fetish, BDSM, the sex trade industry. I'm your host, Wicked Ashlyn. For the month of February, we will be discussing couple plays ideals. This is the second part of a four-week series. On this episode, we are discussing the primal play kink with elements of CNC, consensual, non-consensual roleplay. Before we go further, I want to remind you that this is a judgment-free safe space. We are discussing activities between two consenting adults that are 18 years or older. Before we get started into talking about primal play, I want to read you a short story. Red Riding Hood by Damien Diablo. I see you, but you don't see me. Dress all in red, delicious like an apple. I stalk behind you, my beautiful prey. Hiding in the shadows, cloaked under the cover of darkness. You hear the leaves crunch beneath my feet. For each step I take, you take two. Faster I stalk, the quicker you try to flee. Try to escape, but you're within my clutches. I grab onto you, pushing your face and body against the tree. My prey, you try to struggle, but I'm too strong. You can't move, so give up the fight. You smell sweet, my prey. I can nearly taste you. I pin your hands above your head and turn you around so you can see me. See the beast that has you. See the raging fire that glows within my eyes. I revel in your fear. As I crush your skin, goosebumps appear. I move my head down to kiss you, rough and strong, claiming what is mine. Our tongues dance together, tasting you. My prey, you are delicious. Breaking our lips embrace, I move to your neck. Your pulses quicken, your breaths deepen. I kiss and bite your neck, pleasure spiked with pain. I move further down your body, pressing myself into you. I rip apart your shirt, leaving your tender breast bare. The sight of your soft flesh gets me even more excited. I use one hand to pin you back against the tree while I group your chest and lightly twist your nipples, bringing them to be raspberry on top of a pillory mound. Moving my head further down, I start to suckle on your breasts. I'm gentle and you start to moan. I bite, you gasp. Wafts of your aroma permeate my nostrils. I can't hold myself back. I want more. I throw you down to the forest floor on all four, and I pin your arms behind your back. Still keeping my weight on top of you so you can't escape, I lift your dress up, exposing Drent's pink panties. A thin piece of pink fabric lays between your sex and me. I rip off your panties and pocket them as a trophy for later. I looked at my prize, trembling in fear and excitement, so sweetly innocent. Despite your fear, you are dripping wet. I move in and devour your love, lapping up the intoxicating, warm, musky sweetness of your sex. I lick my tongue up and down your pink pussy, tasting your sweetness. Your gas have turned to moans. Moving my way up, I start licking your clit. Your moans grow louder. I stick my fingers inside of you, probing your depths, 
stimulating the right places while I continue sucking your clit. I can feel the pressure in you mounting as you're looking for relief, clenching my fingers tighter. I keep touching you and tasting you till you no longer can take it. Explosion of pleasure washes over you, bathe my face and hair in your pleasure. Your attraction to me is undeniable. All still on all fours, you begin begging me to take you. I oblige. My prey has forgotten who she is and who I am. I tower over you, spreading your legs, readying you to accept me. I plunge my cock deep inside of you with one hard thrust. My cock stretches your insides, making you feel like your insides are being torn apart. Thrusting slowly at first while relishing the feeling of your body. The sounds of your screams fade into sounds of moans. I start moving faster. You're overwhelmed with sensation. Your mind is going numb. Your thoughts are blank. You can only think of me and my cock deep inside of you. Your pleasure starts coming to its peak. You start shaking. My prey comes for me. I feel your wetness rush over me as you lose control of your body. You are lost in lust, but this is when I strike. I bend over and bite into the soft flesh of your shoulder. You scream again, but this time even louder. Your fear returns and you try to push me off. I don't move, but I just sink my teeth deeper into you. The pain brings tears into your eyes. Eventually I let go. The wound is raw and bloody. You stare in horror at it. I lick the blood from your shoulder. I am gentle, swallowing it. My prey forever becomes a part of me. After I finish tasting you, my thrusts pick up again. No sounds of pleasure from you, just staring at me in fear, reminded of what you truly are to me, my prey. Pleasure washes over me as I empty myself inside of you. I am in ecstasy. My hunt has come to its climax. My cum fills you to the brim, leaking down your leg. Finally, my hunt completed. I'm done with you, but you are not done with me. Your wound is deep and it will scar. Every time you see it, you will always know that you are mine. Once again, that was a short story. Red Riding Hood, written by Damien Diablo. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's move on to our questions. I'm sure you have several about Primal. So we'll start with question number one. What is Primal? At our roots, all of us humans are animals. We don our clothes, pay our rent, head to work, act like mostly civilized people because that's what our society has dictated in order for us to all live comfortable lives that aren't focused on hunting our next meals. But before this was the way we lived, Humans were just as animal as many animals, and at our biological core, well, we still are. So, what is primal play? So now that we know that this primal play exists inside of us, primal play lets us tap into that energy, consensually to drop the civilized side of ourselves and return to the hunter, gather animalistic instincts inside of us. Think of it as being interested in sadism. That part of you that likes to inflict pain might be inside of you all of this time, but you negotiate with a partner to consensually explore that not civilized side of yourself with a trusted partner during kink. It's very similar to primal play. Primal seems like a broad category, and that's because it is, and it is intended to be. Primal play is whatever brings up those feelings of acting on instinct, 
and the activities that invoke that can be unique to each person. Not only does it depend on what the participants' bodies can comfortably do, but it also just depends on what feels like instinct to participants. You could even make the argument that fucking like animals, acting fully on instinct in the sexual high, is a form of primal play. Instead of worrying about acting civilized, both partners are entirely absorbed in the sensations, doing what feels good to them and getting the most pleasurable possible. Mating is primal too. In case it has to be said, though, primal scenes don't need to be sexualized in order to be valid. In fact, a lot of primal scenes don't necessarily have sexual components to them. They can, but they don't have to be. If you're watching a primal play scene, you're likely to see a lot of these activities. Play wrestling, chasing, biting, scrouching, growling, loud verbal sounds, you know, screams, laughs, barks, roars, circling. This is a common induction into primal headspace at the start of a scene, like two animals getting to know one another. Impromptu bondage, usually holding down someone's limbs or something super quick. Rough sex, again, not required, but some primal players like their scene to end this way. You might see toys and BDSM gear pop into the scene on occasion. But for the most part, primal play scenes are focused on skin-to-skin, person-to-person contact, and taking time for elaborate bondage may take someone out of the here and now instinct mindset. You know, just go with the flow. Don't stop and think. Give in to your mind. I've talked about that quite a bit, giving in. So does primal play have to be super active? No, and a little bit of yes. The stereotypical of primal play scene might include two people wrestling, or even a chase and ravage type of scene. Needless to say, both of those types of scenes can be physically exhausting, especially when you consider that a lot of other types of kink might take place while nearly stationary, like impact play, or with focus on body on body movement, like strap on sex or rope bondage. Most kink play isn't straight up the types of movements you'll find in a cardio class. However, primal does tend to be really active, partially because part of the fun of being the prey is being caught and partially because some of the headspace we tap into with primal play tends to be some of the super aggressive war sensation that you can get into. That being said, primal play doesn't have to involve lots of running or sprinting, especially if your body isn't all that interested in that. Primal play just involves tapping to those feelings, which can turn into being active in the way that your body is comfortable doing. Maybe that's really intense biting and scratching. Maybe you tap into unexpected growling. No matter what it is, with a primal headspace, you're likely to get into your role, and you'll go hard. Even if that go hard doesn't include running or wrestling, most people who engage in primal play scenes end up catching their breath after the scene. But be aware, and this is something I talk to my subs about often, aftercare. While all scenes require aftercare in some manner, even if that aftercare is, I need to be left alone, primal scenes tend to require a lot of it. Partially because everyone is usually exhausted, and partially because the ultra headspace of primal play requires some time to come back to the civilized world. Some snacks, some peace, even some snuggles might be a good way to end a primal scene. If you watch a primal scene and really want to talk to the participants, make sure they're up and about, moving around, and having conversations with others before you approach. It can really take a bit to slide back into the mental requirements from normal person-to-person interactions. What do I need for primal play safety? Well, before you engage in primal play, the biggest safety accessory is free, talking. You need open communication about what you're about to play with. 
Primal sensations can get, well, really primal. Realistically, this means that people might have a bit harder time talking to the logical side of their brain and might be running on their brain's autopilot more than usual. This means you both need to negotiate heavily, have verbal safe words and nonverbal safe words. The two tap, tap out popular in resting can work really well here or a very loud enunciated stop. If the scene will be a chase far apart scene, you can always consider whistles that are kept on bracelets on the wrists. The point is you both need to discuss what's going to happen, what you're okay with happening, what happens when you go into primal space for you. So the other person knows, and most importantly, discuss any body injuries, pain points, or things you know will be instantly problematic or triggering for you. In fact, if you can do this negotiation a few times before the actual scene, maybe even writing it up for reference a few times beforehand, your subconscious brain will be a little more likely to remember it. And you definitely want to remember it. Due to the risk of injury, the alter headspace primal play includes and the rough nature of it, most people do not engage in primal play as a casual and pickup play. It's pretty hard to negotiate all these things on the fly, and the risk for problems or misunderstanding is high when you don't know someone and you're only communicating in growls. Beyond that, safety all depends on what type of primal play you'll be engaging in. If you're biting and scratching, you'll want to ensure that you understand the risks of saliva and blood exchange, in addition to knowing a wound care to take care of any wounds after the flat. Saliva in rooms can be a good catalyst for infections, so make sure you know how to care for them. If you're going to get more physical and try wrestling, having good quality wrestling mats will prevent skin, knees, and rough impacts from joints. I also recommend really clearing the area you're playing with. I mean, really. Remove any furniture with pointy edges and try to pick the emptiest room possible. The same can be said with any sort of hunting scene. Try to do it in as empty a space as possible and essentially toddler-proof your area. You need to block off all sharp edges, remove anything that can trip, etc. Humans are capable of a lot more speed, which means harder impacts while on two feet. So if you want to instantly reduce some of the likelihood of injury, do your hunt with a requirement that both hands and knees need to be on the ground. Crawling speed will definitely hinder the potential speed you can run into obstacles and will likely turn more into wrestling than anything else. How can I get started? If you've never tried to tap into primal play energy before, I have a few exercises you can try out to see if they help you tap into that animalistic energy. 1. Try going out to a park and playing chase if your bodies allow it. This is entirely non-sexual and keep it so. But when's the last time you played chase as an adult? Probably a long, long time. Choose one partner to be the prey and the other be the hunter. Allow the prey to set a reward for you if you catch them. Maybe the best out of three matches? As this is a silly and fun activity out in public, you might not feel the sensations directly translate into arousal. But as you're chasing your partner, you might start to find yourself solely focused on the act of chasing them down and catching them. You might feel the endorphin hits that you get outside of your head and into the sensations. This type of single-minded hunting focus is part of that animalistic instinct that we're talking about. And once again, keep it non-sexual. Two, this one is a lot calmer. In bed, let the top be the big spoon, while the bottom prey is the little spoon. The bottom prey should toss their head to the side to leave their neck open, and then allow the top to touch, snuggle, and get rough as the top enjoys. Have a discussion about what makes each partner drop into primal headspace beforehand, and try to incorporate that into the play. 3. If you want to add more resistance, the prey can attempt to get away while the top holds them down for their snuggles, bites, touches, and scratches. It's entirely up to what works well for you and your body's capabilities. 4. Clean off the bed ahead of time and start your scene with the top pushing the bottom prey 
onto the bed after an intense makeout, cuddle, pinching, whatever gets you going session. Quickly climb on top of them and make them stay underneath you while you both enjoy what helps you get into the headspace. Five, push the prey against the wall and keep them there for the start of a scene. Watch their head when you push them. The act of being so forcefully handled can really start a primal headspace for a lot of people. Now, I think we should engage in some sort of primal play with partners from time to time. We get into autopilot mode where we're ready to know which places to kiss, bite, and suck to get our partners off. We're just going through the motions to get off, but our minds are elsewhere. We need to disengage from our routine and go back to the elements of raw primal lust, ravaging each other's bodies to remind us of the excitement we felt the first time with our partners. And we really do. As an example, one time when my husband and I were in bed playing, he kept teasing me and I guess you could say my dominatrix side came out. I did not like being teased as long as he was teasing me and I ended up biting him. I did it without thinking, but in reality, bite that I did turned him on because I let go. I didn't have control. Things like that is what really makes the relationship, you know, expand, enjoy it, give in. Just don't always have to be in control, if you understand what I mean. Now, next week we're having a special guest, Paige Bond, a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in helping people-pleasing millennials navigate non-monogamy so they contain their jealousy and love with ease. I'm looking very forward to talking to her and getting some questions answered. If you would like to learn more about me as a mistress, please visit wickedashton.com. There you can find the kinks and fetishes I support, how to call me, the games we can play together, and my favorite part, the ways you can spoil me. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and keep wicked, and be sure to listen in next week and hear what Paige Bond has to say. 